Patient-centred care is the easiest way to provide the best care possible and to deliver it. We need a healthy dose of partnerships. Improving pathways, opening lines of communication or providing transparency across the continuum. These projects exemplify collaboration and are drastically improving outcomes for their consumers. I guess there is a reason why they say teamwork makes the dream work. Um, I, before we start, I'd like to um, acknowledge Turrbal Yagara people and the lands on which we are here today. I'd also um, like to acknowledge we're both based in Cairns, Sue and I, so I'd also like to acknowledge the Yudinji, Gimwe Wallabara, Yudinji people and the Yirikanji people. I myself and I am a uh, Yudinji, Gugu Yalanji and one year person from far north Queensland. Um, I work for the Queensland Aboriginal Island Health Council or Quake and we're working in partnership with uh, Cape Torres HHS and the um, Cairns Health and Hospital Service on this project. So with that said, I'll hand over to Sue to go through the details. Hi everyone, um, thank you for the opportunity to speak today and being invited. Um, I'd like to acknowledge um, the challenges and the, the uh, potential and the creativity of this project. This project, I've got six bosses um, plus an independent project management office um, and I'd like to acknowledge the three chief executives um, of Quake, Kansan Hinterland and Torres and Cape who are exceptionally supportive of this project and supportive of me as the project manager in this team. Um, I'll work through uh, the team so you can understand the structure. It's a true tripartite um, where team members are actually employed across the three organisations. Um, the CEs have given me direct access every uh, fortnight. I meet with them and I meet with the sponsors um, every week um, as well around the project. So there's a real commitment um, from the three chief executives and the co-executive sponsors. Um, so I just thought it was interesting to put the team structure together. I won't spend any time on it, um, but it is unique. Um, it's, the team consists of Cairns and Hinterland, Torres and Cape and Quake staff members. Very diverse team um, and also too from organisations that have different ways of working and different cultures. So bringing us all together and keeping the team ticking over as a project manager. It's had really positive experience um, in that everybody has bring in their different ideas but also too we've actually had to work really hard to um, uh, look at the cultures within the different organisations and try and bring teams together um, in the different um, organisations. Um, the care coordination and priority patient dashboard project are two of the northern regions um, project out of the Connecting Your Care business case. So it's, uh, it is a funded project um, and uh, we report through a project control group to a project steering committee up to the program board at the department. Um, so it's got a number of governance um, levels in there and um, yeah, it's part of that statewide um, initiative. Um, so what are the key objectives? The key objectives of the project are to increase the visibility of priority patients. So we wanted to actually increase the visibility of our vulnerable client group, our First Nations groups from Torres and Cape and from the regional areas of Cairns and Hinterland and through our Archo partners within the Cairns and Hinterland and Torres and Cape footprint. We also wanted to move care closer to home where possible. So we needed to actually have a look at outreach services 
the, the North, um, it, you know, its resource, um, it, it depends, the Torres and Cape depends on resources and specialist services coming from Cairns and Hinterland. So it's a unique arrangement um, where specialists outreach a lot into uh, Torres and Cape, but they also, Torres and Cape, have their own outreach services as well. And of course, we've got telehealth um, in there as well. So we needed to have a look how we can provide care closer to home um, and improve that. We also wanted to in increase um, and integrate service delivery a lot more. So work a lot closer, keep our, our acute hospitals for acute and our primary health cares with our GPs, our art show partners, um, and um, try and augment their services to you know, keep people out of the acute facility as well and direct them into the primary health care um, arena. We also wanted to identify priority patients early so they don't fall through the gap. So who are our priority patients um, and, um, and how do we actually ensure their care is actually coordinated? Um, we've got complex client groups um, with multiple chronic diseases, so that means multiple specialist appointments. Um, and what we were finding um, is that a patient out on Saibai Island might come down to Cairns, which is almost a week's travel um, just to get to Cairns for that one would possibly have to come back in another couple of weeks' time because we didn't coordinate their diabetes or their cardiovascular appointments very well. So we also wanted to um, coordinate that care, so the admin and logistics um, and, um, of course, the travel. So all of you managers who fund travel, um, that you could imagine um, that travel coming from the Taurus um, down to Cairns uh, and also, too, from the regional areas um, of Cairns and Hinterland um, Health Service into Cairns itself. Um, and as I mentioned, we want to provide care closer to home. I think some of the benefits, just briefly, I'm mindful of time, but some of the benefits, if this project, when we, wait, when we, when we make the project work, I think um, the benefits will be just the, I think at a system level, the coordination. I think the coordination service, the collaboration, the, the information infrastructure, to provide that the, the, the seamless, I suppose, as seamless as possible pathway for the client from their home. The, the project is about door-to-door. -door. It's not just about what happens within the HHS. For um, Aboriginal Islander people and, and others working or living in remote areas, the gap in life expectancy is, is sometimes 20-plus years. This project is but one system reform project that, um, that's being piloted at the moment. And if we can make it work or put some dents in that gap, then, it, then it's worthwhile. So all of these elements up here, the benefits, I think, I think overall, if, if we can reduce those fail-to-attend rates, it's been mentioned here in previous um, presentations around the patient experience. That's what this is about. It's about a concierge service. It's about support at the elbow for those clients that come through, come down, and, and just working collaboratively but backed up by the information infrastructure that's put in behind, like the patient da dashboard and a bit of uh, better coordination around the, the, the travel and accommodation, et cetera, et cetera, to provide the, um, the patient, I suppose, with a better experience. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in primary care to reduce hospitalisation or preventable hospitalisations. So if this project works, I think there's benefits for the rest of the state. <clears throat> Um, just quickly, we've done a lot of stakeholder engagement, as you can see, because we really need to understand what the pain points were um, across this journey. Um, and we weren't around clinical pathways. This was around administration and logistics. We had a, we have 
a methodology um, that we utilise for our workshops to really try and get to the root of the problems and come up with solutions. What we found really early is that when we brought the clinicians into the room um, and the administrative staff like our travel teams um, and our scheduled care teams all could identify what the problems were but solutions were really difficult. Um, so we were a little bit surprised at that and so for a couple of our workshops we rang two workshops to try and bring them back together then to try and um, you know come up with solutions but solutions were the most difficult part um, of our workshops and our engagement. Um, so what did they find? So the key things that we're really focusing on are accommodation, um, coordination. Um, when you've got a large cohort of your patient groups, such as the Taurus and Cape, coming down to Cairns for services, accommodation is really important. Um, you know, we were finding that um, you know there was unsuitable accommodation. People in wheelchairs were on second floors with no lifts, and um, so accommodation is important. It's also to a big uh, big cost for the HHSs, um, flights and accommodation, particularly when there's um, failure to attend the flights and accommodation, um, and then that flows on to the scheduled. Care care appointments with specialists um, and then that person becomes a failure to attend and quite possibly some of the specialties go back to the bottom of the list and then have to wait again. So that were some of the things that came through. Communication and information sharing um, between um, the HHSs and between the, um, the ARCHOs and the GP practices remains a challenge and I'm not sure we're actually going to fix the information sharing because I'm sure you all know there's a number of clinical information systems and if you work in the north I think there's about four. Um, and they don't talk to each other. Um, so I'm not sure that we will get to that. But what we can do, as Bevan mentioned on our priority patient dashboard, is we can flag these priority patients and it won't be a clinical repository for information. It'll be a pure admin and logistics. So we can see when their travel is, we can see when their scheduled appointments are and somebody can coordinate that care and make sure that that person um, you know, receives the support that they need, as Bevan alluded to, that at the elbow care from when they arrive in care and um, whether it be at the airport or they arrive um, by bus to Cairns Hospital, they get supported through um, their, um, their outpatient services and home again. Um, and then service delivery coordination, so that falls into you know, knowing when different services are actually providing care for those individual patients. So I won't spend a lot of time because I'm really sure, keen, sure that you're keen to get to the model and it's a very draft model and I probably have more questions than I have answers for you. Um, the project um, has been really getting um, some legs in the last six months um, and I think what we do keep doing is actually raising more questions than we actually do solutions um, and I'll talk to the operating model. So these are some of the key design principles um, and we've developed a, a draft framework um, that we're going out to consultation, true co-design. Um, as a previous speaker, it takes time and it takes consultation. And it's not consult just consultation with staff, it's consultation with unions um, and all of that change and engagement um, that needs to occur um, to make change happen. So the Care Coordination Service Centre um, was one of the deliverables of this project and so we moved into this big building. Um, if you know Cairns, it's on Draper Street um, and it was a call centre. It's this massive big building that now hosts about 200 people um, and that's con that consists of staff from Torres and Cape, Cairns and Hinterland and our Quake have some desks for our Archo partners when we work out what our operating model is going to look like. So that was a huge logistical exercise to move two HHS 
um, staff. We've got two travel teams in there, two scheduled care teams, um, two, we've got nurse navigators in there now, we've got palliative care in there now as well, and some telehealth. So now we've just got to work out, we're all in there, but they didn't start talking to each other by osmosis. So now we've got to work out how we actually work together to coordinate care. That's the next part. Um, and of course, telehealth. Um, telehealth is massive um, because you have, if you know, you work in big hospitals. Um, each specialist um, group runs their telehealth and their booking systems um, differently. And so now we need to look at how we can start to coordinate telehealth and improve telehealth. We know that we've got lots of failure to attends in telehealth in our regional areas, particularly in Torres and Cape. We need to understand why. And so our Quake partners um, in the project team are out there talking to our consumers. Um, is telehealth culturally appropriate for you? Why, um, why is this not? Um, why, why aren't you attending? What are some of the challenges that we need to have a look at? Thank you. Um, so two minutes. Um, this, this is the draft operating model that we have um, that I think is really key. So it's now starting to bring the different teams together. So we know we've got to have an intake space into the care coordination hub. That's going to come through um, smart referrals, uh, through self-referrals, through ARCHO referrals, through GP referrals. Um, they come into the care coordination. We don't know yet what that's look, going to look like, but we're thinking it's going to have a push-pull model with the nurse navigator teams. So we've got two nurse navigator teams uh, from Torres and Cape and from Cairns and Hinterland who operate differently. Um, so how does that model look um, within their teams? We've also got the integrated team care providers with the ARCHOs and we've also too got the health workers and health practitioners that work in the ARCHOs. So how are we going to actually all work together um, and uh, start to coordinate some care for, uh, for our patients coming in? Um, then we've got two travel teams. So how do we coordinate travel better? How do we improve um, the travel services? How do we actually make sure that people are going to um, come um, and attend and, and turn up for their flights? So the big key pin in here, as Bevan alluded to, is the concierge slash patient experience. I don't know what we'll end up calling it, but the idea of that is that that will be um, a, um, a position or two positions that actually support and um, they'll contact the client you know, you've got scheduled, um, uh, you've got outpatients scheduled in Cairns. This is your flight bookings. Does this suit you? Is there something going on in community? Um, you know, and we can then also to pick up early. Actually, it doesn't suit me any longer because you know that appointment was made three months ago, and this now has happened in community, so I can't come down. So it gives us a trigger point in which we can start to um, reevaluate um, the scheduled care, so that they're not failure to attend any longer, and that we can re. Um, book flights and those sorts of things. But that position will also help navigate them um, through the hospital to their outpatients appointment, meet them um, at the bus and take them um, you know, through this big hospital um, into, their, um, into their clinic appointments and then make sure they get back to their, um, back to their accommodation. And Bevan and Cleveland always talk about we need to make sure they've got food while they're here in cans um, and um, you know, they've, got, they've been able to get to the grocery store. They've got money to actually be able to purchase food. So that that concierge is key. That concierge will also be a link to the art shows. Um, when people come to Cairns, they don't. They sometimes stay, stay down for months at a time. Particularly our kidney health clients. Um, are they linked into a GP? Um, okay, so we need to link them in with an art show so that they can provide, you know, provide their primary health care services. 
Um, so that's, that's where we're up to. Um, as I said, more questions and answers at this point in time. The dashboard will be a key piece of work um, and we're working closely with eHealth um, to have a look how that dashboard can be um, developed um, and integrated to assist in care coordination. So in closing, next steps, um, we need to do more stakeholder engagement. We've got, um, like you guys with COVID, um, we're inhibited up on Thursday Island in the Cape. So we're now going up there and doing some workshops, hearing what some of the challenges are there, what some of the solutions are. We need to start to look at the process flow. So we've done some pr patient process flows, um, particularly for kidney health, maternity and palliative care, which were the focus. But we very quickly realised that whatever the model is that we establish, it can be um, developed across um, most of those um, areas, clinical areas. Um, we need to actually establish a governance model for this clinical, um, the care coordination service centre. And that's probably the most difficult part in all of this for our CEs. Um, how do you bring three organisations together and how do you provide governance um, for three separate organisations with their own um, HR processes, finance processes and all of those sorts of things. Um, the project team we've, um, will extend beyond 30 June um, and um, what, what pieces of work we need to do there is actually establish that model and clearly um, help uh, with, the, um, with the decisions around governance and the continue with the dashboard development as well. And it's not easy um, because even sharing information across two HHSs and then have the ARCHOs um, and uh, non-HHSs, there's a whole lot of privacy issues, consent issues, as I'm sure you can all appreciate um, with, uh, with patient information. Um, so that's us, that's our contact. Um, if, um, you know, if you wanna have a chat about any more of it, um, yeah, welcome to, so thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.